Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. We are about to soak up the wisdom of my friend and colleague and mentor, Peter Muskamp. The creative industries, if I can use that phrase, in Britain, I think are second only to the pharmaceutical industries in terms of what they bring economically into the country. So, I mean, we're talking about a vast range of career opportunities within the arts. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? When you're a beginning artist, actor, whatever it is you're, you're, you're going into, be prepared to take some of the more lowly jobs and, and, and learn from those lowly jobs because they're often uh, very interesting. They often offer very interesting ways of seeing the industry. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. This time around, we are back in Hollywood, California, hanging out poolside at the Chateau Marmont. With me is my friend and co-host, Fred Keating. Fred, tell me a little bit more about where we are and who we have on the show today. Marvin, we're at the iconic Chateau Marmont on Sunset Boulevard and the sun is shining as it should. I guess that's a law here. And we are amongst some bamboo and palm fronds, poolside as you said, uh, soaking up the sunshine and also about to soak up the wisdom of my friend and colleague and mentor, Peter Muskamp. Uh, We are on the Pacific Coast. Peter is transatlantic. He's uh, patched into us from the Bristol area in the UK. He's Skyping, yep. Peter Muskamp, thank you so much for taking the time to to join us this evening where you are. My pleasure. Peter, I want to ask you about the particular career path that you created or had placed in your path along the way because you've you've done so many things. I look at the uh, uh, the CV and it it talks about your early training in fine arts and design and and uh, education. Can you tell me briefly the the kinds of phases, the chapters in your career as they unfolded? The arts were always part of my life from the earliest years, but that interest started in in my home in Bristol. My parents were both very keen on the arts. So I went to uh, a school in London called Goldsmiths College, and I trained as a sculptor. In the art school I was in, I found myself, although training as a sculptor, being brought into the world of film, music, literature, performance art. And I was taking, if you like, a a kind of holistic view of the arts. And that stayed with me all the way through my career. And Peter, how did you turn all of that into a career? Well, I'd had some success as a sculptor. And I did think, well, perhaps I should uh, throw caution to the wind and develop as a sculptor. Or should I become a teacher? Where should I go? And I decided in the end, perhaps being a little cautious, that... um, I should go into teaching. Did it seem at the time to be an either-or proposition, Peter? Because you, you as a, a young sculptor, you had an exhibit at the Tate Gallery in London. Your work uh, subsequently uh, toured uh, the UK in a program called the, uh, the Young Contemporaries. Teaching didn't preclude me being an artist. And 
in fact, one of the things that uh, I've thought very strongly about over the years is that if you do have some talent for the arts and you are teaching, you should maintain that talent. You should, as far as you're able, continue to be an artist, a musician, playwright or whatever the art is. Uh, so it really, really wasn't uh, quite as either or as, uh, as I was suggesting. I think teaching, taking a kind of balanced fairly um, objective view of things seemed to provide the best of both worlds. I was able, I thought, to be able to continue my artwork and also be a teacher, contribute something to children's education. So Peter, speaking of things that parents tell us, many parents will say, why do you want to pursue that fine arts degree? The only thing that you're going to be able to do with that is become a teacher. What are your thoughts on that? Well, of course, that's just not true. Uh, I mean, there are many, many opportunities for arts degrees. I mean, just I can't remember the statistics exactly, but the creative industries, if I can use that phrase, in Britain, I think are second only to the pharmaceutical industries in terms of what they bring economically into the country. So, I mean, we're talking about a vast range of career opportunities within the arts. You were a senior lecturer in uh, in drama at uh, a college in Reading before you got involved with the inspectorate. Is that not correct? That's true, yes. And that, that's when we first met. Yes, I, I was. I, so I, I moved from uh, teaching in schools where I taught art and drama into higher education, where I was training or helping to train teachers, teachers of drama and teachers of art. Um, and from there, uh, I moved eventually into, into the inspectorate. Tell us a bit about the inspectorate, who it's set up to serve and, uh, and what it's set up to do. To give it its full title, actually, uh, it's Her Majesty's Inspectorate, was set up in the 19th century. One of the earliest inspectors was a, a man called Matthew Arnold, uh, a poet and, and a man of letters. And it was really there to ensure that uh, standards were being maintained across the education system and that children were getting a, a good deal. And it continued and continues th through to the modern day. Um, it started off with sort of uh, a couple of people on horses wandering around the country looking at schools and now is... Um, part of a much bigger operation involving, I think, something like 1,500 people. Peter, tell us about the role that you have on the advisory panel for Prince's Trust. START, I guess is what it's called, right? It's the, called the START project, yeah. Um, it's essentially a project which is aiming to bring the arts into schools. And when I say the arts, I mean arts practitioners, cultural organizations like the Royal Opera House, the National Theatre, the Royal Shakespeare Company, into schools, to bring schools and the arts closer together. The organizations, the cultural organizations, have to make a bid to the Prince's Trust for funds to work in schools um, over a period of time, usually two years. I'm on a panel that decide which companies uh, should be awarded these um, amounts of money. And uh, then I'm part of the sort of monitoring process that um, sees how these projects uh, work out. But it's it's part of a, a kind of wider movement, which um, I've been involved in for some years now, which is about getting artists to work with children in school. So children often who don't or won't have an experience of the arts have a direct and realistic and real experience of the arts by working with artists in various ways. Peter, we've heard a lot about your background. What's the take-home message here for young people who are looking at potentially pursuing careers in the arts? 
I think you first of all uh, need to to have a, a passion for and love for the arts, and that can be inspired in a number of ways, as it was with me. And then you need to decide, you know, which direction you, you want to go in and take the best possible advice you can along the way, whether it's from a teacher or a careers advisor or someone in the arts. But you need to uh, take advice, follow your heart never stop learning, always look for opportunities for widening, developing your interest in whatever art form it is that you're, you're interested in. I mean, in my case, I, I should stress, incidentally, that a lot of my arts experiences haven't just been in a professional capacity, but in an amateur one as well, taking part in, for example, um, local amateur theatre. And I do suggest to any young person who's interested in the arts to seek out all the opportunities outside school as well as within school for developing an interest in that particular art form. And that's something we might pursue later when I, I think you're going to talk to my son. So essentially, take every opportunity, take advice, look for role models, mentors, people in the arts who can advise you realistically about what's possible. One of the things that we've talked about a number of times on this podcast is the importance of actually volunteering and it's part of what you're getting into here is that by volunteering I think you you have the opportunity to meet people show some of your talents and that perhaps can lead to a paying gig tell us about this yes indeed it can again my son would be the best person to ask about that but I know from his experience he was prepared and I think this again is advice I would give to other people he was prepared to work voluntarily, even though he was a fully trained professional, because he could see that opportunities might arise from that voluntary, unpaid situation. And in, in his case, that turned out to be exactly so. Um, so sometimes you, you have to bite the bullet, really, and say, OK, I'm not going to be paid for this. But in the long term, it might be worth my while to pursue it. So it's an industry where you really need to prove yourself, right? Exactly. Learn how to prove you And have humility about learning how to prove yourself. Be prepared, you know, to make the tea, uh, to be a gopher, uh, to do the sort of things that um, later on uh, you wouldn't want to do. But when you're a beginning artist, actor, whatever it is you're, you're, you're going into, be prepared to take some of the more lowly jobs and, and, and learn from those lowly jobs because they're often uh, very interesting. They often offer very interesting ways of seeing the industry. Peter, you make some great points. I, I, uh, there's a couple of ways to look at internships or volunteer. One is it's free education in the trench free education. You're not paying for additional training. And it's a great way to find mentors and coaches who are happy to share their advice with you. And whatever that advice might be, A, it can give you some tips and role modeling behaviors that, that will do you no end of good. And you can also observe in the team you may intern with behaviors that you would never want to employ if you were in a different situation or your own business or uh, pursuing your own particular objectives. It, it teaches you things that you'd love to adopt and it also demonstrates things to you that you perhaps would do well to avoid. I think to the astute person, this gets you inside the fence, this gets you inside the club, and you have an opportunity to learn things that you don't get to learn on the other side of the fence, right Peter? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I think what I would call it is it's kind of professional etiquette, you know, the, the, the way things are done within a profession. 
professional behaviors, you can learn those from the lowliest position, knowing how to behave, knowing how to react with people, knowing how to be a good listener, uh, knowing how to take instructions. You know, these, these sort of simple things or seemingly simple things are going to be very important if you're going to make your way in any industry, actually, not just in the, in, in the arts. One of the things we haven't touched on is, is the whole process of auditions. And um, I, I know we're not just talking about the theatre in, in, in this podcast, but uh, auditions are, of course, crucial to finding work, getting work in, in the theatre. And, of course, they are in, in film as well. But the process of auditions uh, is not only one which um, reveals your subject knowledge and skill, but also should reveal your ability to uh, work with other people. To be able to, to, to go with other people's ideas and not just impose your, your thoughts and ideas on, on, on others. This is certainly a, a recurring theme in this series, Peter, I have to tell you, because we've discovered how so many other craft categories, other than performers, the set designers, directors, uh, casting directors, wardrobe people, all have to audition against competition for their roles on major projects, films, television series, etc. Right across the board, many of these uh, individuals in different craft categories undergo that same challenge. You've been giving advice for so many years to so many people in so many ways, and I'm getting the time cop look from Marvin now. I want to do a couple of things, Fred. First of all, Peter mentioned his son, and that would be Tom. Yes. And some value that Tom could bring to the podcast. So I think that we should ring up Tom, bring him on board and get a father-son thing happening here. What do you say about that, Peter? Are, are you two still speaking, Peter? Well, I've no idea what he's going to say, but yes, that sounds like a very good idea. Yeah, Let's do that. And, and, and let's also bring Peter back for another solo episode because I, I think there are more things we need to hear from him. I do. I do. I want to pursue this critical observation that he's made a career out of because it has, in some cases, such a negative connotation to people. I mean, if somebody showed up on my doorstep, said, hi, I'm Her Majesty's Inspector, I'm here to look around, I'd perspire even more than I am now. Peter, would you mind terribly if, if we imposed our little inquisition on you uh, at another time? Not at all. Uh, it would be a pleasure. Fantastic. We'll look forward to you joining us one more time, or at least. At least. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity. <laughs>